we've got some good news to kick off the weekend, which is always a good thing. In fact, I have two stories that are good news, both demonstrating the power of Catholic action in the public sphere. We don't cover enough good news around here, and I'm trying to fix that. We can't always be dishing out black pills all the time only, which isn't good for anyone's health, so let's get into this. And as always, if you have news that is generally good, feel free to email it to me. It just can't be tiny bits of news like a priest giving a good homily or a parish having a neat social service program or something. It needs to be something potentially big. Anyway, on to some good news for a change. In the first piece of good news, SB 360, the bill in California that would attempt to break the seal of the confessional, has been defeated, at least for the time being. If you aren't familiar with SB 360, I'm going to read you the characterization of the bill from the Sacramento Bee, it, what I would call it, which is an overtly hostile news source from the state capital of California. Quote, the state Senate passed a bill on Thursday that would require Catholic priests to rat out other Catholic priests for admitting that they molested a child, even if it were made during the sacrament of confession. Authored by Democrat Jerry Hill of the Bay Area, Senate Bill 360 is like a TV drama ripped from the headlines. Catholic priests have been molesting kids for decades and getting away with it in some cases. The church has been all too slow in responding appropriately, or in fully atoning for its unspeakable complicity in the abuse of children by members of the clergy. The headlines have been endless. End quote. Now, to give the Sacramento Bee credit where it's due, the article next points out that the 30 sponsors were crossing the line of separation of church and state, and stated such in a way that actually sounds as if they, the would-be journalists presenting this article, cared about that issue, which I suppose is a good thing, even if the church has historically been opposed to the separation of church and state. The committee charged with overseeing the bill noted that over 125,000 people had voiced their opposition to it, which is probably why the bill sponsors found little support among key members before its crucial final vote, before the bill then being sent to the whole legislative body, where it would have probably passed. 125,000 people calling or writing to their state legislature and key committee members is a big deal. Most of the time, state and local politics are completely ignored by the public, even on important issues. So this is a good sign that Catholics in California haven't just given up in the face of an increasingly hostile to the faith state government. And I say hostile because the state of California has been the vanguard for policies that no Catholic can support and that we should all be more vocal in opposing, including the promotion of the acronym agenda, subversion of national sovereignty through immigration, and numerous other policies that Catholics with a well-formed conscience should take peaceful and public action to support. To that end, I congratulate the lay faithful of California and their non-Catholic allies for defeating this bill. And, to be sure, SB 360 wouldn't have only affected Catholics either. Any pastor or minister of any faith would have had to report abuse under conditions previously not legally permitted. Given that Protestants and non-Christian religions can't, don't have sacramental protection of privacy between the minister and the faithful on these issues, the Catholics and the Orthodox would have been the most affected in a fundamental sort of way, but others would have been affected as well. Cardinal Burke was asked about the mess in California prior to SB 360 being pulled and the inviolability of the sacrament of confession in general. Cardinal Burke stated, quote, Confession is a sacred communication and inviolable. He reminded the faithful that the church teaching maintains that confession is made to God himself, adding it is a sacrament, not a therapy session. End quote. 
recalling that the priest acts in persona Christi, not only on the altar, but in the confessional, and that the priest is merely the conduit by means of the sacrament being administered. The concept of the state imposing itself on the sacrament is astonishing. Thankfully, sanity prevailed. To this, Archbishop Gomez had some choice words as well when he spoke on behalf of the California bishops. Quoting the Archbishop, quote, SB 360 was a dangerous piece of legislation. If any legislature can force believers to reveal their innermost thoughts and feelings shared with God in confession, then truly there is no era of human life that is free or safe from government. End quote. And that's the rub, isn't it? Typically, these kinds of laws are pushed by those who have no concept of subsidiarity, even if they believe these laws to be key to fighting a real problem, like clerical sex abuse and its cover-up, by homo-heretics in the hierarchy. Subsidiarity is the principle of Catholic social teaching that states that issues should be handled by the most local competent authority possible, and often that political issues are not the province of the central government. Subsidiarity is essentially recognizing that individual peoples have the right to form free associations to address any kind of issue they need to, within reason. In the U.S., California's legislature isn't the national government, obviously, but subsidiarity does call for most problems to be handled by non-governmental authorities whenever it's feasible. This includes the church, which should be cleaning up the mess that has caused scandal in the church and in the world from the past. Recall that the Pennsylvania Grand Jury Report and similar reports are what reopened this wound, and that those investigations found few, if any, new allegations. In other words, SB 360 was pushed to fight a problem that was largely a problem from the past, and not even that big now. I know that sounds controversial to some people, but it's the truth. The Pennsylvania Grand Jury Report found no new allegations of abuse. The issue facing Catholics in this is the complicity of many senior hierarchy officials in their past covering up abuse and their denial of the nature of these problems to this day. Of course, any priest who continues to abuse anyone should be reported to the police first, as we typically say here, and face rather harsh punishments that are considered archaic, at least in my book. Moving on, the second piece of good news comes from LifeSite News, leading a bit of Catholic action themselves. Yesterday on July 11th, LifeSite News and the Personhood Alliance delivered a petition with nearly 100,000 signatures to the American Library Association to end their promotion of Drag Queen Story Hour. The ALA is, like most lobbying and special interest groups, one of the more converged or corrupted organizations in America. I mean, any group that would think it's a good idea to have grown men dressed like cartoonish women promote the acronym Death Style to small children at the taxpayer's expense is a seriously corrupt organization, devoid of any real morals. According to LifeSite's reporting on this, 40,000 signatures came from the joint petition launched by LifeSite and the Personhood Alliance last month, while 56,000 signatures came from a joint petition of the same topic which was launched by the activist Mommy and Citizen Go. Further, a representative from LifeSite News, as well as a president of the Personhood Alliance, met with the ALA senior lobbyist to discuss the issue of drag queen grooming hour, as I call it, or DQSH, as, they will, as it'll be referred to herein. Their conversation reported, co reportedly covered the following topics. Quoting LifeSite, That DQSH is a highly inappropriate for children who cannot consent to its sexualized content at such a young age, regardless of whether their parents accompany them. And exposing children to sexual material beyond their maturity is tantamount to child abuse. That DQSH is highly offensive to Christian communities and will discourage library use in many communities at a time when libraries should be encouraging literacy. That DQSH is, a da is dangerous because it exposes children to potential predators 
as it is well known that registered sex offenders have already been caught performing in front of young children, and that DQSH is a highly political issue with which libraries should not be involved, especially as they are in receipt of public funding. Libraries should be neutral zones where one ideology is not preferred over another. End quote. And all of that is true. Gender and sexual activism are all part of a larger ideology that is being battled in the public square, and publicly funded institutions should frankly be neutral in this, at least under the current system we live in. You know, many of us have noticed that the acronym agenda is being pushed in an increasing number of venues at an increasing amount of time. It's literally everywhere. We're practically halfway through the month of July, and First Deadly Sin Month came to an end two weeks ago. Yet we keep seeing promotion of that death style everywhere from media, from business interests, as well as from the usual suspects in Hollywood and from the Democratic Party, especially, and especially these days from members of the GOP as well, who can't keep from tripping over themselves to show you how tolerant they are. We get no break from it. We continuously have sodomy pushed in our faces and are expected to accept it on a public display with no opposition and no complaints. And if we do complain, we get called bigots for pointing out the destructive and corrupting nature of pushing sexuality onto children, which isn't even to mention the evil nature of promoting deviant lifestyles in general. I know that these issues will probably get ignored by the ALA, and frankly, that's fine. LifeSite and their allies have made clear that they plan to lobby state and federal legislatures to address the issue. Given the, the political tone at the moment, and given that both parties are tripping over themselves to show how tolerant and thoughtless they are to the general public, how effective this lobbying will be remains in question, but getting nearly 100,000 signatures on a petition like that is still impressive. Having the courage to meet with likely Moloch worshippers in their own lair is also impressive. So I take these to be victories for Catholic action, and worth sharing in the name of good news. Uh, as a final thought, Catholic action is actually a defined concept in Catholic social teaching. And if you want, to, uh, want me to do a video on that later, let me know. I can do so. Like I said earlier, if you have any legitimately good news please email the story. My email address can be found in the, in the description of this podcast. Thanks for your support. Keep praying and making acts of penance for the liberation of the church from the modernists trying to destroy her from within. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.